This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. So tech is wonderful when it works, right? And uh, we probably all have our moments of um, tech embarrassment. I'll tell you one of mine. This was years ago, and I got a brand new phone, and it had this feature called Talk to Text. And I was run- yeah, yes, some of you have had experience with that, I know. I was running a little late at work, and so I thought, oh, I'm going to be the thoughtful husband. I'm going to send my wife a text and tell her I'm going to be a little bit late. That's better than showing up and explaining, right, if you send ahead, so... I picked up my handy-dandy phone. I said, dear, this is your husband, and I'm running a little late tonight, and with any luck at all, I'll be home in about 20 minutes. And I almost hit send, and then I thought, I better check and see how well it did. It changed the word luck to a different word that I would not say here. (laughs) That should be illegal, right? Yeah, yeah. So regardless of whether you have a big church background or no church background, regardless of what you know, you know, life is the same for all of us. And I'm so glad you're at church this morning, no matter why you came or how you got here. Because this I know for sure. You have a God who created you to be his son or daughter, and he loves you with all of his heart. And my prayer for you is that wherever you are in your spiritual journey, that today you could take a step closer to him. Because that's what we work on every Sunday at New Life. And some of us, maybe most of us, have had experiences where we felt like we were the guy who kept trying to leave the message and somehow it kept going to God's voicemail. Have you ever felt like that? Yeah, and it just wasn't getting through. Well, if you've ever felt like that, you're actually in pretty good company. And today we're going to press into, we're going to pull back the curtain on myth number three, and we're in the middle of a teaching series called Myths We Believe. And the fact that we believe these means that they seem to be true even though they're not. And here is myth number three. My doubts and my questions are actually a lack of faith. And that's something that probably is disappointing to God and maybe even upsetting to him. And so I need to get that corrected. There's something wrong with my faith. Well, to, get, to take that as a backdrop, let's, if we were to just take a quick trip through the Bible and take a look at the lives of men and women who were used by God in great ways, these are people who had God's stamp of approval on their life. We would find some very interesting things. Let's start with a guy in, who was the most loved and revered king in ancient Israel. His name was David. And David was not only a great king, he was a lyricist and a songwriter. In fact, he wrote the lyrics 
and the music for the national hymn book of ancient Israel. And you can actually find it in your Bible. It's preserved in your Bible. It's in the section called Psalms. So David was a cool guy, and I want you to see what God said about him. This is God talking. I have found David to be a man after my own heart. You know what? If God would just write that on my tombstone, I'd be good. Yeah. That's like the best endorsement you could ever get. I like how one translation puts it. I have found David a man whose heart beats with mine. Wow. So when you open this national songbook and you get to the 13th song in it, here's how it begins. This is David. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? There might be a little sarcasm in that, right? He goes on. How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every single day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? This is a guy whose heart beats with God's. That's surprising. Is that really the kind of relationship that God wants from us? On the surface, it wouldn't seem so. But I said, if we were to take a trip through the Bible, we would find this sort of thing over and over again. I'm just going to cite one more example. And it's an example from the life of a guy that even if you've never been to church, I know you've heard this guy's name. His name is Peter. Sometimes he's referred to as Saint Peter. He was one of Jesus' closest followers. And Jesus loved Peter. He was very clear from their interactions and, 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 and so, one day, Jesus says to these 12 guys who followed him every day, he said, I'm going to let you in on a secret. Here's the deal. In a few days, we're headed to Jerusalem. And when we get to Jerusalem, I'm going to allow myself to be arrested by the authorities. And I'm going to allow myself to be tortured by them. And I'm even going to allow them to kill me via crucifixion. Yep, they're going to hang me up on a cross. And people are going to laugh and make fun of me until I die. Now, Peter loves Jesus. And that's devastating news to him. But I love Peter because Peter is so unguarded. You never have to wonder what he's thinking because he thinks out loud. And this is one time in Peter's life when he uses a little discretion. And instead of just vomiting out what he's thinking, I love what he does. Take a look at this. Peter took him aside. He didn't want to embarrass Jesus because for the first time in his life, Jesus was actually wrong. And Peter was sure of it. But he didn't want to embarrass him. So he took him aside and said, hey, dude, I want to help you out a little bit here. Notice what it says. He took him aside and began to, what's the next word? That might not have been the smartest thing that Peter ever did. He's taking God aside and reprimanding God. And look what he says. For saying such things. 
Heaven forbid. Jesus, you have lost touch with heaven. Heaven's not in on this gig. I don't know where you're getting this, but you should not say this kind of stuff. This will never happen to you. But you know what? This is the guy that Jesus chose 50 some days later to be the first person to preach the good news that people could be saved through Jesus. Jesus goes, Peter, you're my guy. Huh. Maybe this is the kind of relationship. You see, if we were to look at case after case in the Bible, here's the conclusion we would come to. God's not offended by our doubts, questions, and misunderstandings. He isn't. In fact, I think you and I lose patience with ourselves far sooner than God ever loses patience with us. The myth is that my questions and doubts are a lack of faith. The truth is God loves me. He loves it when I ask and process and even emote about the things that I don't understand or agree with. God actually loves it. I put the word emote in there on purpose. Many of you who know me know that I'm not a big emotive kind of person. I probably won't shake my fist at God and yell and scream. And I probably wouldn't say to God what David did. Where are you, dude? It's like I'm down here and you're doing nothing. But that doesn't mean it's not okay for us to do that. You see, however we are in real life is exactly how God wants us to be with him. So if you're a loud, demonstrative, emotive kind of person, don't put that in check when you get with God. Be yourself. Why would God want that? There are four wonderful reasons and probably more than this, but we're just going to look at four. Number one, when we ask and we process and we emote, God gets to see and interact with the real us. Have you ever tried to be friends with someone who just wouldn't let you in? No matter how hard you tried, there was always, there was always a curtain there. There was always something standing there and you never really felt like you got to be in on what's really going on inside them. We've all had that experience. How often, I wonder, does God feel like that with us? When he's just saying to us, let me in. I want to see it all. Let me see even where you struggle. Let me see what you disagree with. Let me see what challenges you. Let me see even areas where you want to push back. I don't care. Just let me in. Because I want to be able to see and interact with the real you. I don't want the redacted you. I don't want the sort of church version of you. I want you. The second thing is we set the stage for learning. My parents used to tell me all the time, son, if you don't ask, you don't learn. Maybe your parents told you some version of that. And the truth is, if you and I don't ask, 
if we don't get our questions all out on the table and say, God, I don't understand this. How does this work? How does life work in this area? How does marriage work in this area? How does parenting work in this area? How does friendship work in this area? How does faith grow in this area? How does forgiveness work? If we don't get our questions out and we don't actually ask him, then we never set the stage for us to learn. A third reason is we give God the opportunity to build our faith. You can write this down. Faith is never built by doing what you've always done. Faith is always built when we allow God to call us out of our comfort zone, what we feel good and comfortable with and used to, and God calls us into something we haven't yet experienced and we don't yet know. And when we process with God, we give him the opportunity to call us out of our comfort zone and into where we need to be in order to grow. And last of all, we grow closer to God. If you've ever wondered why some people seem to hear God and God talks to them and some people feel close to God and they have this unshakable faith and and, and they just seem to be rooted and grounded, I will guarantee you this is a person who lives in what I'm going to call a little bit later the engagement zone with God. They process they ask and they emote and they are just themselves with God. So I have a question and, and, and in order for us to get clarity on this question, I'm going to juxtapose it next to a question that we've all heard. And here's the question we've all heard. Is real courage the lack of fear or is it, does it require more courage to do the right and risky thing even when we're afraid. Takes more courage to do the right and risky thing even when we're afraid. Yeah. So here's the question. Is real faith blind trust that never asks questions or has doubts? Or is it trusting enough to take a risky step even when we don't fully understand and have questions or doubts. Huh. Those of you who are parents, would you really want to raise a child? And by the way, things like this really help me When I have trouble sort of getting my perspective on what the Christian life is supposed to look like and how it's supposed to operate, the one thing that continually brings clarity to me, and I just want to pass it on to you, and I, and I want you to use this in your own life to help bring clarity to you. When I remember that Christianity is not primarily a theology, In other words, a study of religious principles. When I remember that Christianity is not primarily a moral code that I'm supposed to keep. When I remember that Christianity is really at its heart a relationship between a father and his child. Then a lot of the confusion goes out. 
Let's take this myth. Would you really want to raise a child who never asked questions, who never pushed back, who never argued with you, who never emoted in your presence? Now, I realize if you have a two-year-old or a teenager, you would take a season of that for a while, right? You would love that. But in the end, if that's what your child always did, if every time you said something to them, they said thank you, if every time you gave them an instruction, they just went and did it, when they left your home, you would have two big questions. Did they really learn anything? Because instinctively, you and I know that one of the ways that we learn is by asking questions and pushing back and listening and processing and dialoguing. We know that. And secondly, you would wonder if your child had any backbone at all, right? Are people just going to run over them their whole life because they've never, ever had any starch? Now just put that in the context of your relationship with God. Does he really want you to be the kind of person that just says, God said it, that's good enough for me, I'll just do it, I don't ask questions, mine is not to question why, mine is but to what? Do or die, yeah, or as we say in the shortened version, if you don't comply, you'll fry. (laughs) Is that really what faith is? Is it really what God wants? But here's something that every parent knows. And that is, there's a context in which a child can push back, can ask questions, can even argue respectfully. There's a context in which that dialogue can take place that's good and healthy. And then there's a different context in which that child is pushing back and arguing, and it's just rebellious and destructive. We know that, right? We've seen that. If you've ever had a child for longer than 30 seconds, you know that. So it's the same way with God. Here's the deal. When we ask, process, and emote with a posture of our heart that is open to God and that's fighting for our relationship with him, man, God loves it. We bless God. God sits in heaven and goes, finally, you showed up. The real you. The whole you, all of you, showed up. And you want to dialogue with me about this. And you want to push back a little bit. And you want to ask questions. And God goes, man, there's nothing I like more than that. And as parents, when your teenage child comes to you and they say, hey, can I talk with you about something that I don't think is quite fair and they do it with the right attitude, even in the process of that conversation, if they're going, but that doesn't make sense to me. I don't get that. As a parent, you love that dialogue because you realize your child brought all of their heart to the table. God loves that. Blesses him. Blesses us. However, when we ask, process, or remote with a posture of a heart that's closed to God. You ever had your kid come and talk to you and their heart was closed to begin with? Sure you have. That that conversation usually doesn't go real well. Yeah. 
And when we're challenging or threatening our relationship with God, like, if you don't give me an explanation I agree with, I'm just going to go out and do my own thing. I don't care what you think. Or worse yet, if you don't give me an explanation I like or agree with, I'm not going to believe in you. I'm out of here. When we do that, we actually test God. We don't test God's love. He's going to love us no matter what. But Jesus did say, you should not test God. He did say that. And that's one of the ways that we test God. So in this whole asking and processing and emoting, let's do it with a posture of a heart that's open to God and fighting for our relationship with him. So that leads us to the big question of the day, and that is, how can I process my doubts and questions with God in a way that builds my faith and in a way that strengthens my relationship with him? How do I do that? And for the next 10 minutes, or maybe eight, I want to spend them on this chart. So on the inside of your program, you could pull out this little, this little chart, uh, because it might, especially if you're sitting in the back, it might be difficult to read some of the finer print. And we're going to walk our way through this. Um, we call it engaging with God. And I, will, I want to give you the back, sort of the backdrop of this particular chart. And that is, here's the basic assumption of this, of, of this chart. And that is that true engagement with God is the secret. It is the key to two things. It is the key to, to drawing close to God and building a vibrant, healthy, personal friendship with God. Engagement with Him. It's built on a second assumption, and that is this. Everyone in this room has questions that you would like to ask of God. I've got my own, and I ask Him regularly. Everybody has questions. Everybody has doubts. There are always times when it doesn't seem like the dots in life connect like they should. Like we want them to. Like we hope that they will. We all got that stuff. So how does God help us connect the dots? Well, if you look at the chart and the things that are in the circle, if you just wanted to write beside that, that's the engagement zone. And that's a place where you and I can live. It's a place where you and I can go anytime that we want to. It's a place that God has invited us to because we are his child and he's our father. It's the engagement zone. And there are a number of things in the engagement zone and they're all built around the questions or the doubts that we have. And so down below in the legend, you will see that these things are not in any particular order. In fact, when we're living in the engagement zone, there's sort of an organic thing that happens, and any or all of those things inside there are available to us at any time. And at one time, we may be drawn to one. Another time, we may be drawn to another. We may visit one and then go to another and come back to the one where we just were. It's a little bit like... um, a marriage. 
there, there, there are all different kinds of zones in your marriage. And there are times when your marriage is rather serious and you're working on problems and you're working on kids and jobs and all this stuff. And then there are times it's just carefree and fun and all that stuff. It, it's all available to you every day, but some days lend more toward one than the other. So in no particular order, let's walk through what it means for you and I to show up at the table with our Heavenly Father and bring all of us there. Okay? So uh, in the legend at the bottom, we'll start with emote. In other words, it means that we emote openly with God. This is where we pull back the curtain and we share with God how we feel. Now, now the silly thing is, God already knows, right? But there are often times we don't express it to Him because we think He might not like that. So would God rather have you hide it and pretend it doesn't exist? No. He wants us, when we feel upset, it's okay to say to God, man, I am really upset about this. This really chaps my hide. And I keep thinking, you're going to do something about it. But apparently, it doesn't chap your hide like it does mine. Because if you were anything like me, you would have dealt with this a long time ago. Have you ever felt like saying that to God? Yeah. Sure. Well, say it to him. God, I don't get what's going on. Because, and I know, I don't have all of your perspective. I know that for sure. But I know that from where I sit, if I sat in your throne, knowing what I know today, I'd be vaporizing some people. <laughs> yeah. I'd be cleaning some stuff up. Yeah. God gets it. God's not going to be offended by that. Emote openly with God. Respectfully, but openly. Because when you get all of you out there, then God gets access to all of you. Not just the carefully prepared version. Because you know what? We don't usually struggle in the areas where we've carefully prepared. Where do we struggle? In the ones we hide. Yeah. So emote openly with God. Something else that you should do is process with your community. Discuss it with your community. This is one of the reasons why we recommend, no, we actually urge that every single person in our church be part of a smaller group of people than this audience this morning. Because the people who are closest to you are the ones that can help you process. Because you know what? They have a little different perspective than you do. And when you're ready to vaporize someone, they might come along and say, but did you know? And you're going, oh man, I'm glad I didn't touch that button. Like our guy in the video this morning, he got a little extra information at the end of the video that changed his perspective after he vaporized his friend with the message, right? Yeah. The people who are next to us, 
that we can open up to and be real with. They actually help us process because here's what we know from thousands of years of study of human beings in every culture, and that is this. We are wired for community. We cannot thrive without it. So discuss whatever your questions are with your community. Then do some research. You know, it's one thing to complain, and it's another thing to go do the homework. Right? Usually, if we would cut our complaining in half and invest the other half in research, I mean real research, start your research with the Bible. Say, what does God have to say about this? That it'd be, it would be, um, you might be amazed at how much light God could shed on your question. You know, it, it's not, it, it doesn't stump him. No one has ever asked a question of God and he sat on the throne and went, wow, I did not see that coming. I'm not sure I have an answer for that. That's never going to happen. Do some research. You go, well, I don't know very much about the Bible. Come and ask one of our pastors. Ask your, ask your small group leader. Ask the people in your small group. They might know things from the Bible that would actually shed light. Get on the internet. Now listen, you can't believe everything that you read. You can't even believe everything you hear from the people in your small group. It still might be good for you to hear it though. And then use the analytical powers God has given you to ferret out the stuff that's not true and hang on to the stuff that is true. Because there's an old saying that goes like this. If you want to make smart decisions in life, you need a lot of data to begin with. Get as much as you can. Research. And then process everything. Process what your small group had to say to you. Process what you found in the Bible. Process what you found on the internet. Process what's going on in your mind. Take all of that stuff and sit alone with God and just process it with him. And pull it all out on the table and, and, and discuss it with him. And here, here's a clue. If you'll spend as much time listening when you're with God as you do talking, you'd be amazed at what you hear. You'd be amazed at what you receive. I'm not saying you hear the audible voice of God, but I can tell you from personal experience, God will connect the dots for you in a way that will blow your mind and and you'll have a, a, a moment of epiphany and it was like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And then, experiment. Go out and take a step of faith. Because you know the truth? Nothing in your life changes and nothing really in your personal relationship with God changes until you take a step forward. Until you actually try to put it into practice. Up to that point, it's all talk. But if you want it to change your life, then go out and do something with it. I want to close by telling you something. The the engagement zone is the exciting, thrilling, 
fulfilling and satisfying place to live. Go back and to that circle that you labeled the engagement zone. I want to tell you of all the places you could be in life and of all the things that you could do in life, that's the most exciting, it's the most thrilling, it's the most fulfilling, and it's the most satisfying place you can live. And I know right away you're going to say, what would make you say that? Because I know by experience. When I have dared to live in the, ex- in the engagement zone with God, God has taken me around the world numerous times. He's put me in the fellowship of people in various countries. He has put me in places that scared me to death. He has put me in places where I thought my life was on the line and I thought this could be it for me. He has put me in places where the beauty and the wonder was so magnificent, it literally took my breath away. He has put me in places that have caused me to cry with tears that didn't stop. He's put me in places that have caused me to laugh until the tears wouldn't stop. I can tell you from years of experience, it's the best place to live. But I can also tell you from personal experience, There have been seasons of my life where I wandered out of that zone. And the joy began to drain out of life. And the enthusiasm began to drain out of life. And the confusion started to creep in. And the sense of, what's this all about? And why am I doing this? There has to be more to life than this. Those questions that nag at us. From time to time. I just want you to know. It's the most thrilling place you can live. And I I just want to encourage you. I'm going to borrow this shamelessly. Get in the zone. (laughs) Got it? Get in the zone. Here's the challenge question of this week. What question or doubt will you dare to bring into the engagement zone this week. That's how you can take a step forward. And in that, you can build your own personal walk with God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have invited us into the engagement zone with you, that we can emote with you, that we can discuss, we can process, we can ask questions, we can, we can do all this stuff and we can do it with you. Thank you that through it all, you think It's the greatest thing you could ever get from your kids. Would you help us to do it this week, I pray in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.